Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about how you can convert your readers to your subscription. I know it's a big, complicated topic, but we actually had a good friend of ours, Kyra Fox, post into our Subscriptions for Authors Facebook group that she was having some troubles. If you're watching the video version, I'll put a screenshot here. But if you're listening, the challenge is one that many of us face, which is having trouble getting people to go to her subscription page to even begin to consider subscribing monthly. And then once they get there, getting them to convert. So I felt really bad because I knew that problem really well and kind of face it in many ways myself too. But I know how awesome Kyra is. She's been in our group for a long time and we just wanted to see if we could help her out. But that's when I thought, why do this just between us? Let's record it. So that's what you'll see in this episode. I'll be coming at it from the perspective of an author who's published 12 books, but hasn't really yet made the full dive into subscriptions. But my co-host, Amelia Rose, she's published almost 20 and makes over six figures a year in subscriptions and has been doing it for three years now. So she's very successful and we'll have a two different perspectives to bring in that can hopefully help Kyra out and help everyone listening turn their readers into subscribers. I mean, what better way than a live workshop, right? It's long, it's, it's a big boy, it's beefy. So I'm gonna get a little run through before you get into the next two hours about how you can maybe maximize your time here. And I'll just wanna say upfront, biggest thank you ever to Kyra. She did this, you know, totally volunteer and we were so happy to be able to do this with her. It would be awesome if you could check out her Patreon page and check out her website and show her some love. I'll link it down in the description, the first links. Note that we have a lot of talking in between and she shares some incredible insights of her own. So it's like a live workshop plus interview plus kind of like a writer therapy session, but it's kind of a beautiful mesh of things. Luckily in the description, wherever you're listening to this, I've timestamped all of the important things that you will want to go. So if you want to skip to when we have screenshots of her Patreon page and we're reviewing it, you can skip to that. If you want to skip to when we're talking about her email, you can skip to that. But I will say, I think you should listen to this whole thing. I know it's long, hard to do one sitting, do it in the car. It's a really enlightening conversation and really inspiring. We're going to be starting off talking about Kyra's goals for her career and her subscription. We're then going to be diving into what she offers in her subscription currently, giving a little tier review, be fun. And then lastly, we're going to be talking all about how she promotes her subscription. We'll even be getting into talk about social media, a little bit of author mental health, and really trying to improve her conversion rate. So let's get started. How you can turn your readers into subscribers. Ba-bang. Before we officially get into the live workshop, here's an introduction to Kyra Fox. She's been a published author for the last three years and has five novels out, plus plenty of stories on serial fiction platforms like Radish, She's been on Patreon for the last three months and has seven patrons, aka readers, paying her monthly to subscribe to early access and some other benefits that we'll get into. She also has a couple thousand readers on her mailing list, so we're going to be diving into how she can bring more onto her Patreon, but also just in general, how we can help further her author career. So let's get into it. Hey, um, thank you so much for joining us, Kyra. I'm really excited to... <laughs> um talk to you a little bit about subscriptions and help you out um with yours yeah it's really great to be here and thank you so much for having me we're, we're super excited for it this is our first time doing an episode like this and i guess really 
the most important thing, our goal here is to to learn where you want to go in your author career, but also as it pertains to subscriptions. And then we want to hear about what you think is holding you back from that. And hopefully we can all help you, not just us here, but if you're listening, I hope you can also chip in and help a fellow subscriptions for authors community member. And maybe one day we can also help you out too and do a similar thing. This might be a series. We'll see. But to get it started, I am curious, Kyra, what has your journey been like as a writer, both as an indie author, but then also as it pertains to subscriptions up to this point? So I was actually just thinking about this um, earlier today, uh, is that when I just started, I have the tendency to uh, dive right into the deep end without thinking too much. And that's basically what I did when I started. I really wanted to uh, get a book written. And I was writing it, and then I stopped and wrote the novella because I got stuck. And then I just went and started. I went on Instagram, opening Instagram, and I, I started this journey where I, I um, did like an on-job training. That's what we used to call it way back in the, one of the jobs that I did. It's like an on-job training. And I learned everything on the go. And I think it was very standard. You know, I started in KU and Kindle Unlimited and, um, and did Instagram promotions and worked into BookBub and Goodreads and, and I tried to do everything and all the social platforms. And, and eventually I, I realized that Kindle Unlimited wasn't the right place for me, that I really preferred a wide uh, and reach as much as I as much an audience as I could and uh, slowly I started because I come from a business background I used to be a corporate lawyer then it took me didn't take me too long to realize that I'm building a business here not just writing and publishing books um, and the more I thought about it as a business the more I realized that any sustainable business has to have passive income and passive income means taking the products that you already have and spreading them out as much as you can to to get as much revenue as you can off them uh, and monetize them as much as possible. And I actually started with Radish. I went wide and then I uh, started with Radish. I got onto Radish and I started publishing my books there and writing a serial specifically for Radish. And then after I started writing a serial for Radish, uh, I started promoting it on my newsletter and talking to people about Radish and I realized not everybody's on Radish and I want my stories and my books even the ones that I write just as serialized fiction to reach as many people as possible uh, and that's when I decided to go for Patreon and the idea behind my Patreon was to give as large a reader base as possible access to my serialized fiction that I'm not going to publish as an ebook on retailers um, and that's how I got into Patreon basically that's that's been my journey cool yeah i feel like it's so hard not to like get sucked into wanting to do a little bit of everything like for me that's hard too because everyone like you just see these success stories of people like being very successful and like different things you're like oh like maybe i'll be successful too so i'm gonna just like jump over and do this too and then like a week later there's something else and you're like well now i have to go do this <laughs> like that didn't work out let's start with this um so yeah, I, at least like what I found most important was just like, especially with subscriptions, 
it does start off slow, but like sticking to it really, really helps. Getting to subscriptions, how was that beginning journey on Patreon for you? Did you find success? How did you bring your readers there? How did that all go? The first the first entry into Patreon was, was pretty successful because I sent it out to my newsletter and immediately got five subscribers, which I felt amazing about. Um, and that's where it stopped. So I wouldn't say it was a success because all reader training was hard. I, I've experienced it, obviously, when going from Kindle Unlimited to wide, reader training is, is super hard. I'm also doing that now with my direct source. Getting readers to shift their mindset, um, not just from the ebook retailer mindset, which in itself is very solid, just the Amazon mindset is very prevalent in readers. And Amazon really um, controls the market for a reason. They're very good at their marketing. And I don't have anything against Amazon. Not just I don't have anything against Amazon, but. but isn't like anti-Amazon, Amazon shouldn't have such a large market share. They did their homework. That's why they have such a large market share. And um, getting readers to get out of that mindset and think about subscription for, for, for books instead of, of just buying an ebook or going on to KU, to also the subscription, by the way, um, very difficult. And I found that aside from that, really that that went well. Um, it has not been going great. Even though yesterday I got a new uh, patron, a new supporter <laughs> on the one dollar tier, but it's a new supporter. Um, so I'm very patient. Uh, my, my blog is actually named "Not a Sprint" um, because of that eternal indie author saying it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and I'm a big advocate of that. I said that every new indie that comes into into the Field wanting to start publishing, I would say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Everything needs patience. Uh, but I have, I have to admit that that Patreon is really, really <laughs> testing my patience because it is extremely hard to to get people to switch over to the subscription mindset. Um, and I think we're going to talk about what I think my pain points are a bit more down the road, right? Definitely, definitely. But that's, first of all, having five subscribers in the first day, that's a really good sign because it probably means you have five super fans who will follow you anywhere. So that that's pretty cool. I mean, that's not like, Amazing. that is something, it's a big deal. I, I don't think most authors can say, I'm not confident I get to that myself. Uh, and I think that's really cool. However, what I'm curious about is before subscriptions, where was your income coming in from and a kind of a question going off of that like the income splits i should say because i know you went wide and then what is your goal like you mentioned that subscriptions is a good thing for you to do to have a diversified base to have passive income coming through that all makes sense but for your life what do you want your life to look like as an author um, i think my answers are super boring i'd like to just be a full-time author <laughs> Um, I'd like to be able to have enough income that I can actually sit and concentrate on doing just that, um, which isn't entirely true because I, I do actually like, like, 
let's just say I, I like doing things around it, like community management thing, but I'd like my life to be around books. You know what I mean? Um, like you guys with Green, it's exactly the same idea. Like if, if I do something that isn't writing and, and, and publishing my books, I'd like it to be uh, a bookish endeavor. Um, and it's, it's basically just being able to say that my author career is stable. And that's why I think that I really went this year. Uh, um, I, I knew this year was going to be a bit of a dud writing and publishing because uh, pregnancy, childbirth, babies, taking care of it. It's, it's so time consuming and energy consuming and uh, gray, gray matter consuming. <laughs> my, my brain is not as sharp as it was. Uh, pre-pregnancy and I knew this was going to be a very difficult year. I, I had, I was still working as a teacher and we moved twice in 10 months. Um, so I knew this year was going to be a dud. So this year I really concentrated on diversifying. That's it. We're, we want to hear that because that is what matters at the end of the day. We're not just like doing subscriptions because like it's fun. Like, like I hope we can make everything fun, but the business of writing has to be about our lives. It's about the people we love. It's about doing what we love. And it's really cool to hear your story and, and how that applies to you specifically. And I think, you know, when we think about subscriptions in that whole picture, what is your dream with subscription? I think I just talked to Robin Crawford about this uh, yesterday. I had a, a meeting. You know, Robin Crawford um, is the founder of Eden Books. It's a romance-centered online retailer. And she actually started Eden Books um, pretty much with the same reason you guys were starting Reem. I, I just talked to her about this yesterday. It was really ama an amazing conversation. Um, and she, we had a conversation because I commented something in the subscription group on a question. And I said, well, can we just sit and like talk about stuff? I really want to get some author info about what I can do on Patreon as a bookstore. And we had an amazing conversation yesterday. And I really think that Patreon and hopefully not just Patreon, but Ream and, and other subscription services, but I mean Ream because you guys are so author-centered that it's, it's so much better than what Patreon, Patreon is doing. Um, I really want it to, not even personally for me, become a place where big powerhouses, not necessarily like big five, places like Eden Books and the HGA Collective and, and, and more organized things like that really give, uh, um, reclaim the, the power the patron has to promote authors and to supplement author income. And um, one of the things that I was talking about with Robin yesterday is that as a bookstore, she can bring so much more uh, to the table for subscribers than I can as an individual author. And she decides if she does something that the HTA Collective does that she showcases an author a month or showcases a trope a month with a few chosen authors, um, that gives us an insane platform to collect newsletter subscribers, to find new dedicated readers. And I think Patreon, both as, individual, as an individual author, and as uh, a more organized um, collective, let's put, call it that, can really give 
Indies uh, a place to reclaim, sort of reclaim the way that they talk to readers, something that we can't do today with really big retailers. We have no connection with the readers through Amazon unless they decide to sign up for a newsletter um, or follow us on Instagram. Like it all depends on does the reader decide to follow us here and there. And once, once they join us on Patreon or or uh, basically it is hard to reclaim our place as authors and connect to our readers in a much more focused way. I, I'm not sure that makes sense, what I think. Makes, sense? makes total sense. You know, it reminds me of something. I want to bring up an example for everyone listening. There's this program called Nebula that a group of education creators on YouTube run. And it's basically like the HEA collective, but it's been around for three years. It's, you know, we're just experimenting in the author industry with this now, but this is a collective of video creators who've been doing this. And they did it for basically the same reasons you're sharing. They wanted a more direct connection to their audience. They figured like subscription revenue can supplement our income, but why have someone pay to subscribe to every single creator when we know there's a group of people who care about us as a collective and we can, there's no, not a huge pressure on all of us to provide so much and we could just create something that so many people want to be a part of. So Nebula uh, is was actually created by a talent management agency that the creators were all signed on to, and it's done very well. And it's a similar model um, that I think you're talking about. And it's something that authors, I think, are just kind of getting around to, which is interesting. So do you think you would want to join a collective? Is that what you're saying? Um, I I think I kind of volunteered to join Robin's collective when she starts it. Um, but yeah, so there are very few authors. I'm not talking about um, authors that built their their fan base in in subscription to go to subscription to begin with. Because I think people who did that are super clever, and it's like it's, it's, again, it's an entire process that. Um, I'm not sure I'm 100% in the place where I want to build from scratch a subscription fan base. Uh, I've, I'm already almost, what are we now, 2022? I'm over three years into my author career. I've done so much work in publishing and finding my fan base and finding my readers. And um, as much as I'd like to say, let's go and make Patreon one of my biggest revenues and do something completely new and innovative that will bring in people uh, that would never read me otherwise. Uh, and I, I don't have the, the attention span for that right now. I don't know if you guys, wait, you see that? That's my writing schedule through 2025. Okay, Dang. so and some of those are anthologies. Yeah, and some of those are anthologies. Some of those are uh, series that I already have the first book out and I need to finish. And some of those are series that I really want to start. And um, one of those is is my serialized fiction, which goes on Radish and on Patreon. So I really open my Patreon for the sake of supplementing Radish. Now I put up other stuff there as well, but the idea was to use Patreon to tap into my existing fan base. Because I, I can't, I'm not in a place, I'm really not in a place where I can start from scratch. 
I don't know if I want to. I like, I, I like, I, I like, I kind of like the way that I work with my books and my novels and my, and it's, um, it's a confusing place to be because I can see how, how great this, this, the, the subscription works for some people when they decide to really go for it. But, but it's a question to be asked, isn't it? Like, which direction you take? Yeah, um, I, I think one big misconception around subscriptions is like, people who are successful start from scratch, like you've mentioned. But I feel like right now, the way subscriptions are set up and the platforms that are available um, that people are on, there's no discovery on those platforms. So you do have to bring in readers from your other platforms and you need to bring in readers who are your super fans. And like those five readers who joined your first day, that is amazing. Like my first subscriber ever was my husband and he didn't even tell me until like, I think I found out like a couple months ago and he was like, yeah, it was your first subscriber. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, it, it's really like you bringing in those readers from other areas um, who want to support you monthly and can support you monthly. Um, but going off of that, like, how how do you like serial fiction compared to like fiction that you publish on Amazon? Um, and do you, I, I think you mentioned, do you only publish your serial fiction on Radish? Do you ever like make it into like a book or ebook and sell it on like wide retailers at all? So I've only just started. I just finished the first season of my serialized fiction series. Um, I kind of a plan for that, but I'll start with your first question that I'm loving serial fiction. And it might be because I am allowing myself because it's radish and erotic romance so, so much better than I'm really allowing myself to delve deep into the, into the kinky sides of romance that with my published ebooks from my retailers, um, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm venturing into the PG-13, nowhere close, but I, I tend to stay a bit more reserved. Um, and I'm, I really, I'm really letting loose. Um, and I know I'm also liking the serialized fiction because, because I like the idea. I, I don't think I've ever written that way, which, which is weird because you're supposed to write that way. But when you write a whole novel, it develops much more differently than serialized fiction. A serialized fiction is, is really think of every single um, episode that you write as an episode. I think if it would have been on TV, would have would have been a good episode that you would have continued watching the show afterwards. And when you write a novel, you don't write like that because people just read the novel. It's okay if you have a slower chapter. It's okay if you have a, a chapter that's um, emotion, more emotion, more conversation. Like that's a, it's a bit slower inside the theme of an entire novel, it works. It doesn't work that way in serialized fiction. And I love that that you always have to keep like the hype up in serialized fiction. It's something about it is very appealing to me as a writer. Um and and it's it's much more freeing. Like the, the even though I, I recently discovered that it's better to finish the story no matter what. <laughs> like don't 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 be done to do serialized fiction just because it's serialized without finishing the entire story first. So don't start putting it up. Um, lesson learned the hard way. Um, but 
as for publishing it as an ebook, that is a very down the road plan. Um, it's also shorter. It's about 45,000 words. My novels are usually, usually between 70 to 80,000 words. And because I want to keep it more exclusive, early access sort of idea, then my plan was to basically um, publish them in, in uh, binds of three, like as a collection. Every three stories that I finish writing, then publish it as a collection, as an ebook. Um, the only exception is that on Patreon, I, I do have a tier that they get each story that I finish as an ebook. But that's like exclusively for Patreon right now. Cool. Um, I, I actually cool. Um, really love serial fiction for the same exact reason. Um, I, I just love how it's just like, it's very short and you, there's so much drama in it. Like each chapter is very dramatic compared to like when you're reading like some like traditional books, we'll call them. Um, the chapters are sometimes more drawn out. Um, and my like, my mind, I'm like, no, I need the drama right now. Um, but that's really interesting uh, that you have a separate tier for your early access as well as um as well as the books once they're finished so i think this brings us talking about tears we should probably talk about on your patreon page for your subscription how currently are you enticing readers to subscribe and how have you mentioned and let readers know that that's a thing um so i admit I, I've not been great <laughs> with the promotion of my uh, Patreon, even though I do mention it, um, I want to say very frequently, but, but I do mention it um, at least once every other week in my newsletter with a teaser from my, my serial and for my serial usually, um, saying that, you know, and they get early access. I have a tier there that also gets bulk of chapters instead of every week a new like episode. Um, I, I, I honestly think I have a very big issue with my tiers. I, they're a bit jumbled and a bit over the top or under, <laughs> under underwhelming or overwhelming. Um, um, I haven't really figured out how to, to optimize them. Um, in a way that that really represents what I want to give in them to my to my benefactors and and I think that that's my main pain point really with with Patreon is that I I, I haven't figured it out like how how to entice the non super fans because a lot of people come in and go like oh yeah one dollar okay I'll support an author I really like for one dollar somebody that I really want to read then I'll support them for the five dollars. Um, but those will, will never be, those will be few and far apart. Far, yeah, few and far apart. Um, and I haven't figured out how to entice the non-super fans yet. So I'm not great at marketing myself. That's what I'm saying. I have this conversation a lot, and I think a lot of authors feel this way, that self-marketing does not come naturally, and it does not come easily. Um, and especially in a place like subscription, because it's much easier to come and say, hey, um, 
buy my book for $2.99 one time or buy my, note, my book for $4.99 one time than just to say, hey, come and give me $5, $10, $15 every month. Um, so yeah, so, so that's where I am with promoting my Patreon page, basically. <laughs> Between the I'm trying to, I'm really not succeeding to, dude, this is so embarrassing. No, um, is there a way we can pull up your tiers right now so we can see what they currently are and what you're offering? Um, basically, my $1 tier is my basic tier, and what I give here is once a week, uh, episode of my Surrealized Fiction release. And then people can support for $1 and then wait until the episode releases. And they get the exclusive polls and Q&As and stuff like that. Um, what I'm planning to do with this is once I finish posting all the, all the um, episodes that I have, which should be in the next couple of weeks, then I'm going to shut this tier down and do a $1 tier that's support only. Now, the $2 tier is interesting. Um, it's uh, not really in my tier. Um, what we're doing is a group of us steamy romance authors got together and we're trying this promotional thing where once a week we go live on a secret uh, Facebook page. Amelia's on that page. I invited her. I didn't invite you, Michael. I need to invite you. Shame on me. Um, and we have a list of prompts and we randomly choose 10 prompts and then we spin a wheel and whatever prompt comes out, that's every Saturday. And then whatever prompt comes out, we uh, post uh, one shot of it, see me one shot of it on Wednesday. And at the end, we have a list of all participating authors with links to their, uh, to their Patreon pages. And we try to sort of do a Patreon hop every week with, with the prompts. Um, it's, been working for some working less for others but we only did one we we did two i didn't post mine yet this week but we only did two so far and people are starting to see a little movement in the two dollar tier from that sort of a promotional uh promotional attempt um we'll keep you posted on that in the actual group we should we need to start posting about that um so after my one dollar tier which is called slow burn i have the simmering heat which five dollars a month and here they get immediate and early access to all the finalized episodes, um, which means that they don't have to wait until they uh, get published either once a week on the $1 tier or on uh, Radish, which also I, I don't publish all of it at once. They publish it once, twice a week. So here they just get a bulk of four or five episodes at the same time. And when a story is done, they get an exclusive digital download of the full story, which is the only place that you can get that. After that, I have the Feel the Fire, which is a $12 tier, which gets everything from the previous tiers and early release of all published titles, which means everything that goes on retailers, they get also as an early release. And they sort of get as a bonus, they get my, uh, my um, box set of, of my first uh, series, which is a three book series. Uh, the $20 per month, you get all of the above and you get an exclusive mug which is a patreon merch and exclusive access to unedited chapters then there's the 45 dollars a month and the next two tiers are things that sean and um mia sean chenoweth and mia harlan did and it was very successful for them i've yet to see success from these uh that every six consecutive months you get uh, annotated um, 
annotated book from my backpack and annotated paperback and some exclusive merch. I like throwing in merch. Uh, and the HEA, which is $100 per month, is personalized scenes that anybody who is a full month on this tier can get any scene of any of my characters that they want in any situation that they want. They tell me I write it, which is also uh, one of Sean's ideas. And she does amazing things here. First of all, I love your tiers. I love that you're doing early access to stuff, especially, and offering merch. Um, one of my suggestions right now, just seeing all of your tiers and you explaining them to me, some of the tiers feel like they're the same thing. Like, for me, it might be like, it's not clear, like super, super clear what you're getting in each tier compared to like the previous tier or the tier after. Um, but before I forget, this $100 tier, I really love it. I was actually doing something similar in my, I think it was $10 tier, which is kind of crazy, um, a while ago. And I was like, if you sign up for my $10 tier, I'll write a short story of whatever you want. Um, so that could possibly be maybe a way to get more people to join this $100 tier is to like, instead of limiting it to like the characters that you already have in your stories, like you can ask like, hey, if you have like a situation that you definitely want me to write about or a couple characters that you've been um, thinking about for a while and you want like a steamy scene of them or like a scene that's like cute or whatever, I will write it. Um, and then you'll retain like full copyright and stuff of it because it's your work. Um, and like, you don't have to, um, ever publish it anywhere else outside of you giving it to them. Um, but that could lead to different ideas that you might have for, for books that you want to write in the future. I don't know, like if they want to suggest a couple of your characters like they could do that too or if they want like a completely new story they could ask for one i i don't know if you would be ever be like interested in that that's just like my what i've seen in the past work for me on the point of the i guess starting like in reverse order with the hundred dollar tier i think it's really cool that you're, you're doing that and i can see why it's worked for other authors um, I, I will concur with everything Amelia said, but add that I think $100 is too cheap. This is why. If someone's paying $100 for this, like they've got money to spare, right? You're not, you know, I hope someone isn't spending their last $100 in their bank account on this. Um, and this very much feels like they're commissioning work for you. And to be at a rate of like, $50 an hour for commissioned work, you know, from being a corporate lawyer, like that's like very low, like no lawyer works that price. Now we can say, oh, well, writers are, lawyers are so much better than us. But I mean, lawyers are paid a lot more usually, but I think that this price should be a lot higher to pay you for what your time's worth. Because if you think about the value of the intellectual property you create in a novel, you said your novels are, are 80,000 words. So this would mean that if I gave you 40 of these, you would have a novel worth of these to write, and you'd only be getting paid $4,000 for that novel. That does not work out economically to me as being sustainable over the long run. 
because you want the people on this tier. Like I understand like a lot of people listening might, I mean, how I don't really make much profit off my novels to be clear, but like, I think my novel's worth more than $4,000. That IP is worth more than that. Um, so I would maybe think about pricing that. You don't have to literally do a calculator and think about, well, I want my, no you know, I think my novel is like really worth more like $50,000 in IP. Like I want to try and write two books a year and make six figures. Therefore, this is really how much 2,000 words is worth. You don't have to go that crazy with it, but $100 really seems quite cheap to me. I'm kind of like opposite of you, Michael. Um, I, do, I do think $100, if you're commissioning something and it's exclusive for that person, that's very cheap. But if you say, uh, for the $100 a month, I'll write a 2,000 word story, but I get to share it with everybody else. Like I get to share it with all my other Patreon supporters, and I can potentially make that into a longer book. I think that's worth it because like, they're giving you like an idea um, or suggesting idea to write about. Um, you're you're taking that idea, you're making it your own, and you get to share it with all these other people. Um, for me, that would be worth it for a hundred dollars. Um, I know like some people have given me ideas for one shots, and they're not like like I'm not copying the idea like to to the T. I'm like giving it my giving breathing it life, I guess. Um, um, through my own creativity. Um, and I eventually make those short little one shots into longer books, which I sell. And I can, I retain the entire copyright because like the idea might've been suggested by somebody, but like it, I could have found it like anywhere. Um, like I could have found inspiration anywhere. It's just one of my supporters was like, you should write about this. You should write like a bad boy romance. And so I wrote a bad boy romance. Um, but any like any reader who comes for free, like you might have somebody in your Facebook group be like, hey, you should write like a, a wolf shifter romance. Um, it's basically like the same thing, sort of, if that makes sense. I, I agree completely with that. If if you're releasing it to the public, then disregard my advice but i do note that it says at the bottom note i will retain full copyright which is true of these scenes but will not publish them in the form they were sent to you anywhere else so since i was kind of taking that as what your current tier is seeming like something exclusive to the individual um you know something to think about all around i totally agree with amelia other things that people can think about um and you could think of it as well kyra is naming a character after someone in a book that's pretty cool being in the acknowledgements. These are all like little things that are not, don't seem little, they're big, but they take very little time. And you were also speaking earlier about signings. And when we think about like high price tiers, um, you know, you could really think about what would a virtual signing look like if I like talk with this person for 30 minutes on, on Zoom about my story. That could be like a really intimate experience that you do for once a month with people signed up in a tier. You know, another thing could be, Literally, this sounds crazy, but I've, I've seen someone do this on Patreon where if you pay like $1,000, it's like, I will like hand deliver you. It might even be more than that. Like I will hand deliver your book anywhere in the continental US. Like they'll fly to them. So I know for you being international, it would have to be much more than 1000 to make it worthwhile. But you can think about wild things like that. Or like if you send me like whatever, $2,000, I'll do a book signing in your city kind of deal. Like you were talking about wanting to be able to pay to do conventions and things like that. And, and look, let's be real, not many people can afford that 
And that might not happen too often, but once a year, even once over the course of a five-year career, someone signing up could be cool. But before I get too caught up in big ideas, all of thinking about, you know, the 0.1% of your readers that will ever consider these things because of financial reasons, right? I want to talk about the other tiers and really where I think maybe the problems are, but how you can make it better. So I personally don't see a huge difference between your $1 and $5 tier from a value add standpoint. So for me as a reader, if I can't tell that very easily, it's not super obvious, I'm going to sign up for the $1 tier. And that you're missing out on potentially like a good bit of money there. So if I was you, I would think about bundling a lot of the benefits that you put in the $1 tier into the $5 tier. You know, $1 as well to anyone who's who's listening. Um, I think it's, it's, it's great to like have a payment that's really accessible, but an issue that I'm sure you've run into, and this is going to be true on every platform, no matter how you accept payment online, credit card companies and banks take like 20 cents, 30 cents out of each transaction that you make. So Patreon, I think purposely loses money on the $1 donations, um, but still takes a higher fee than they would on a $3 donation. And if you use other platforms, they basically like Patreon tried to make it work for people with this, but yeah, $1 donations aren't super economical because you're not going to be capturing as much of the value of that as you would from a $3 tier, a higher portion of that will go to the banks. So that's just one thing. It's pretty unavoidable. It's sad that the internet works that way, but that's how it is. I would also think about, you know, you could still have a $1 tier, but I, I think you're, writing like on a, on a per basis of like, what is it worth? I think that you might want to set kind of that pricing signal a bit higher because these are your super fans already. So that that's one thing. I think your $10, $25 tiers, you had a lot of tiers in there. I think that's all good stuff. However, I worry that there's a lot in there that can be confusing to patrons and a bit overwhelming, both new ones and for you, because you're still at the beginning of building your your subscribership. I think over time, you'll be able to like upsell people once they've been with you into different tiers and they really love the community. But I think starting simple is is better. And for you, it might be less overwhelming to then think about like, what if I just focus on these two tiers and you already have, I love the, the one shots that you're doing with the collaboration of romance authors. I think that's wonderful. And then maybe you devote your efforts to just one other tier and the rest is, is just not like you can have it live, but for other authors who are listening as well, because we want to help everyone here you know, Kyra and a learning experience for us all, I would not recommend setting up seven tiers day one. That's just me personally. Amelia might have a completely different advice. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But to me, that feels overwhelming. I think focusing on small little things. Okay, I'm just doing early access. This is all we're doing. And it's for $5 and you get early access to everything I write. Um, you know, that very simple to communicate but also very easy to see the value in, I think is what will convert. Yeah, um, going off that, I'm going to talk a lot about like my experience because it's 
sort of similar. So when I started, I actually started a Patreon for my other pen name, um, and I had a $1 tier. And I quickly, I, I did shut that Patreon down because it wasn't profitable for me anymore because like $1 isn't profitable. And as Michael was saying, like your super fans are going like, yeah, like as authors, we want to like, we think we should price things as low as possible because like, that's what like was taught to us. Like, we feel like nobody's going to pay for our work. Like that's how, when I started, I was like, nobody's going to pay even a dollar for my writing, but people do like people pay like three, five, $10 now for my writing, um, to receive like monthly access for it. And people who are going to support you monthly are going to be okay with that. Um, personally on my Patreon now, I have a three, five and $10 tier and my most popular tiers are the $3 and the $10. I do think you should start at a higher tier than $1. Um, just because like that, like Michael said, it shows your super fans that your writing is worth more than a dollar. Um, and like those people who are going to support you monthly, like, they could go on Amazon and read any like KU book for free, but like these people decided to like come to you and join your subscription because they want to see your writing. Um, and they're, they'll more likely be okay with paying a little bit more than just a dollar. Um, especially if like you explain, they don't even have to explain anything. Um, but yeah, um, I know like personally, my content people are joined the most on tier three and or th my $3 tier and my $10 tier compared to my $5 tier, just because they like what's in my $10 tier a lot more than my $5 tier. Um, and I think a lot of that is also like what your readers are looking for. Like, are they looking for like that specific merch you might have in, in one of your tiers? Are they looking for like exclusive content or early access? And it's really just depending on what you train your readers to look for, as well as what they're like naturally looking for. And one, and one piece of advice I'd throw in there as well. When just starting out, you don't have to try and guess about what your readers want, because I think we like to, you were mentioning that there'll be collectives who can do really well in subscriptions and it's hard to compete with them. I agree and disagree. So okay. if you're thinking about directly funneling people in a subscription, they're coming to a landing page. They don't know much about what's going on, but they are readers. So they might be interested. Yes. If you are a singular author, you're going, and they don't have an existing relationship with you. It's going to be harder for them to really have that. Is it worthwhile compared to someone who's like, oh, we have 20 books bundled into this subscription, right? That seems like, whoa, like, let me sign up to that. But I will say when it comes to bookstores on Patreon, there's a lot of bookstores that don't offer, like they're not, they're actual physical bookstores. So they're not offering like physical books. They're not offering eBooks. It's just like, come support me. And there's a lot of reading creators, like people who have like podcasts that talk about books. They have book clubs, but like they didn't write the books who are on Patreon and who are very successful. And they're people who people want to highlight in this podcast, but I mention them as anecdotes, the fact they exist, just to say that they've built an existing relationship with their audience that exists mostly off Patreon. 
And Patreon is a place where they come to support them. So I think both are opportunities as an author. And I think for you, you were talking about, I don't want to like build a subscription business. And I think that's valid. Subscriptions are a piece of your business. And thinking about the rest of the business, I am really curious about that because how are you currently bringing in readers? I shamefully admit that I've started dabbling with TikTok. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not entirely proud of that. I'm, I'm a big fan of TikTok. Um, it's like the good reads of social media. Um, but I think in the past year, the main, because mm -hmm. I haven't published since January, like my last book came out in January of this year. And I don't think I'm going to have, I, I don't think I'm going to finish the second book by the end of this year. Sadly, the characters have been pained in my behind uh, in that sense. And I know you guys, I know you guys really, we all have those kind of characters. Um, then the main thing I've been doing is really working on my network uh, this year. I really work on growing uh, my cross-promotion connecting with like-minded authors and cross-promoting on newsletters and um, duet, you know, duets and stuff and uh, collaborations on Instagram and things that we're doing on, on uh, Patreon with the Patreon hop is, yeah. is, is something that is, it's not so much that I think that this is going to explode my Patreon and bring hundreds of, of new readers. It's, it's just that exposure where I, I think I think I talked um, I talked I said this uh, to Michael when we, we spoke before that one of the the uh, things that I like most when it comes to the indie author mm -hmm. world is um, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think that that's that's been my uh, my my go to to business plan that a rising tide. Um, lists all boats that I've really been working on that on, on really getting myself out there in terms of, of of networking with other authors that that we could we could pull our readers together and and sort of pollinate each other um, I love that I think that really also works best in the end uh, and I've gotten to do some really really cool stuff like last year in my uh Last year for my birthday giveaway, every year on my birthday, they like a, a sort of a, I do a giveaway. Um, so last year for my birthday giveaway, I got Melissa Foster and, and like really big names. And I did a, for my release in January, I did a romantic suspense book box giveaway and had Tia Louise and uh, Not I'm Alone and, like, and this networking thing, it really worked. And I'm not a big name. And I, I speak to people that I idolize as people that, authors that got me on the path to being an author or people that all of a sudden I'm having conversations with on, on Instagram and, and emailing with like Mira Lynn Kelly and Annika Martin and people that, that I go to their books when I need inspiration. Those are the people that got me writing and I have a relationship with them. And if I want to, I can send a message. I, I feel comfortable sending them a message saying, hey, I have a new release. Could you put it in your newsletter? Or do you want to be part of my birthday giveaway? And they've been. Annika was part of my birthday giveaway last year as well. And it, it, it's just, I, I really think that this year I've, I've, I've really gone down that 
wrote much more than the paid newsletters and even my own newsletter um, as a way of expanding my reader base and reaching more people. And it's slow. It's much slower than putting uh, 120 bucks on uh, written word media, but it works. It really does. I think for, for getting your more ideal reader than than anything else. I feel like that fosters um, community a lot more too, because like their readers are like, wow, like this, my, my, my author that I follow, like is supporting this other author and like her books must be good. Like, let me go read them. Like, yeah. It, which also is, it's one of the things like, you know, when, when, Annika Martin or Marilyn Kelly or, or Melissa Foster name drop you. Just like, I think I, I know I'm, it's not the pinnacle, but I kind of feel like I've hit the pinnacle. I want to give uh, the other perspective, which is authors who have trouble even thinking about approaching another author, never mind a best selling author. And for me, because for the longest time I was that author, that is a struggle I feel deeply. So when I was, 15, I was like publishing and I felt just so young and like, no one will ever talk to me. I'm just like some random kid. So I knew like no writers and I didn't make an effort at it because I felt so insecure. And what I ended up doing was paying for these promotion services because I had a job and I was like, literally like would be like anything to like sell books, but not talking to authors is what I would rather do, right? Not talking to people, but put my book in that newsletter, whatever. That seems so much easier, but it wasn't a long-term strategy for me. It was something that I felt like I was on this treadmill of having to constantly promote myself. And it feels much better to build relationships than promote myself. So I started getting into it, but admittedly, I guess I'm here hosting this podcast. I'm actually pretty outgoing. So I'm not a perfect fit as like an author who might be shy. Um, I'm not shy. I just was insecure for a long time. So if you're insecure, I'm speaking to you now. Try and realize that everyone is just as scared. Everyone thinks their writing is pretty terrible some days. People who are successful question why they have readers. People who don't have a lot of readers like me question why we don't have readers. We all do it sometimes. But what I'm curious with for you, Kyra, is speaking to the shy people, speaking to the people who it doesn't matter, put your insecurities aside, talking to people, meeting authors is out of the comfort zone. What would be your advice to that person? So I didn't get here because I'm uber secure. I'm not. Every time I sent out an email to one of the big names or, or approached a big name or even thought about being a big name, I'd I'd get an anxiety attack. Like I, I yeah. legit get an anxiety attack because I sit there and look at my screen and go, like, I cannot send this email. And anyone says, hey, I'm a big fan of your work. I'd really love to collaborate with you because I think our writing styles are compatible and you're a great inspiration to me. And nothing about that email is, you know, bad. If I'd get an email like that, I'd be exceptionally excited um and i get a panic attack and then and this is going to be very random but if any of you have seen the movie butter um there's a scene there where the little girl wants to sign up for a competition and she's sitting in the car and she's sort of frozen in terror from going into signing into 
competition, which is some she's ever done it before, and she has like a natural knack for the things that's going on. It's um, um, sculpting in butter. That's what the movie's called, butter. And she has like this natural knack for it, but she's super terrified because she's never done it. And she's uh, sitting in the car with her foster dad, and she can't move. She can't get out of the car. And he goes, and he goes, you know, when I face something that really scares me, I always like to ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? And once I start running scenarios in my head of what's the worst that can happen, I realize that the worst case scenario isn't really that bad. And what's the worst that can happen? They'll ignore you. They'll say no. Okay, so they ignored you and said no. Said no. And um, I think the what if is always worse. And so for all the shy people and all the people who are feeling insecure about approaching um, bigger name authors or reaching out, so the Three things you need to remember is one, if it were you on the other side, rather than you being the fan writing, you'd be super excited to get this email. And these people are exactly the same as you, only they've managed to sell more books because they've been in it longer or they started in trad. So it was easier for them when they got into indie publishing because they already had an established fan base or I don't know, for whatever reason, they're exactly like you only they've managed to find a place where they have a title and getting feedback that you like their books and they inspire you is never a bad thing think about how you'd feel on the other side and realize that it would make them happy as well second always think what's the worst that can happen the worst thing that can happen is that they ignore you or they say no and it's really not that bad if they do either of those your world won't come crashing down if they do either of those um and third is that the what if is always the worst because what if they would have said yes and you missed out on that opportunity? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's really, that's good advice there. I, I will share uh, a story that I have from my own experience of approaching someone uh, that was, that was quite of an idol in me. Actually, I did this in two instances and it worked both times. Um, we all know Mark Dawson, uh, or probably. You don't he runs uh this course company and podcast all under the brand self-publishing formula and there's lots of grifters and interesting people in this community but he's not one of them he's completely fantastic and i couldn't doubt for him more so i went to 20 books 50k in vegas which i also uh can vouch for those people it's a great community and um it's a big big one it's somewhat overwhelming so you might find find you like your mini tribe there, but the big tribe of information is all there. And I went to the conference 2019, and I remember thinking, okay, like I haven't ever really like learned about advertising my books. I really want to do it. It's of course kind of expensive. I did kind of just spend the money I had coming to this conference, but I want to learn from him. So what if I asked him for an internship? So I just went on stage right after his keynote, I introduced myself and I asked for an internship and it worked. I mean, that was basically all that happened and it worked. And that like was transported for me in my author career. Um, I mean, my, my income went from like, oh, hi, I make $30 maybe a month to, you know, six months later, I was able to hit like 2000 a month, which I was really happy with. Didn't stay, that's another story, but regardless, it was great happened another time for me because I started to realize that a lot of what you have to do when reaching out to 
people who are like quote unquote bigger than you is that they're busy lot in their plates and they might have other people reaching out to them too i guess like mark dawson probably has a lot of authors who want to talk to him um not every author's like that mind you you might be the only author that's ever contacted them saying i love your work was inspired and i wrote this book and you might for a lot of authors that's true so don't discount that but I was reaching out to this YouTuber specifically, his name's Eric, and he grew from zero to a million subscribers in a year. He was like, he's quite famous now. He has almost 10 million. So he's very, he's a big, big YouTuber. And I reached out to him, not over email, but by kayaking to an island that he was having his million subscriber celebration on. I found him, I stalked him, I kayaked the island, I showed up with a cake, and I went and crashed his live stream that he was doing with subscribers. And I asked him for an internship. It was weird. It was very weird. But I proved to him that I had like, I wanted to work for him and I was going to like make something happen. So that's crazy. Please don't kayak to islands. But don't. <laughs> there is a world in which you can do things like Kyra has been doing, setting up these group promotions, right? Setting up abilities where authors, they can reach new readers. They can provide something awesome to their fan base. But they're not having to do the work for it. You're you're getting in there. You're going into book funnel. You're downloading the files. You're setting up the email. It's a little bit of grunt work, but you're talking to your idol, and that's kind of the thing where it, it can work like that. It's a it's a give and a take, and they will be more than happy to impart their information and and wisdom, and maybe even their readers upon you. Yep, um, I think, and I think again, the best advice that anybody would ever give you about about reaching out to your idols is is if you want to work with them make sure that that you're you're compatible like in genres and writing styles i have a lot of idols that you know i, I could never reach out and do a collaboration with julia quinn i love her books but there's no no meeting point between her books and mine so uh, as much as i love her i wouldn't reach out to her um but people that are, are compatible with you, they're always, always, no, not always, always, but um, as far as so far as I've encountered them, they are at least always very kind and very helpful, even if they don't jump on, on ship with you and say, you know, I'm sorry. And this has happened to me. I have a lot of my play right now. I have a release in a couple of weeks. I can't really, even if I'm not doing any work, my, my mind, I can't, I can't really be in the mind space to even think about adding anything else, even if I'm not doing any work. And this has happened and it's legitimate. I do that a lot too. That I say, look, I can't, I can't handle, even if you're doing all the work, I can't handle another thing on my list right now, even if it's just sending a link. Um, but they've always been very kind and it always establishes that, you know, that, that first connection, um, can always lead to other things that are bigger and and networking is really key I think to everyone in life. It's really something that you learn the hard way as a as a low-key introvert. That networking is so important. That's me 100 <laughs> percent How has networking impacted your readership? Like you don't need to give exact numbers, you're not comfortable with it, but like what were you doing before you decided to go out and network? How was that working? What made you shift to doing this? Or did you do this from day one? What else have you tried? Tell us what what's worked for you. So I didn't quite 
start networking. Well, I guess I did in a way, um, but I sort of stumbled into the big networking scene. Um, when I just started out, Instagram was my main platform. I really had, I just, oh, I barely I, I started a newsletter. Um, the only person from the book world that I was talking to was my, was my editor. <laughs> and I had this Instagram, which looked dreadful. And um, I was slowly gaining subscribers. And I don't remember who I was talking to. But back then, three years ago, before Instagram decided to uh, come down hard on us, um, we had what was called uh, romance, um, a romance loop. So on the contrary, just follow train. We never required follow follows. We never um, gave out anything. But what happened was that, and and I jumped on maybe the second time that they did the loop as a young author. Um, there were maybe eighty authors doing this, and the loop went that each author that participated um, had like we had like prompts or this or that or complete this or um, autocomplete. It was like a mini game and then a list of all the participating authors and then they could jump and play the mini game with all the authors and it was never like you know follow me or follow the other authors and get something it was never like a follow training never required any follow. it was just like a fun game that would that really got us organic follows on instagram we never i never lost people that followed me because they never were never there for anything aside from the fun and interest of the book and from that one or two times that i joined at the beginning I somehow ended up becoming a moderator. I like went into we we called it the the um, brain loop, like the six people that moderated the entire thing, and I gained access to somewhere around three hundred romance authors and books to romance bookstagrammers because I moderated it. And until today, I have like the the group, and we ran that, and we got to the point from around. 50 authors from, it was 20 authors the first time, 50 authors when I joined the second time, 80 authors then. We ended up having about 300 people doing this loop, which was wow. just fun. And I every time we did the loop, we I, I think I jumped from 500 followers to 2,000 followers in about three weeks through the loop. It was because it kept going because it was so much fun and readers just come really for the fun because they realized we were just doing it really for engagement and we talked to them and we had such great connection with them. And then Instagram cranked down and they they suspended all the moderators' accounts. I was suspended from Instagram for like two weeks. It killed my engagement. I had to start from zero. It was well not not from scratch, obviously. I still had all my followers and they were very understanding, but climbing back to those numbers was very difficult. But that's basically how I started realizing the power of networking. And I totally stumbled into that. Like, I, I just started talking to people and it was, they're like, hi, oh, you're so funny. You're so fun. Da, 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 da. And yeah, come on, be a moderator. You look like a fun person to mod with us. And I was like, okay, cool. So you've done a great job building your author network yeah. and that's helped funnel readers into your stories. But thinking about subscriptions as like your inner super fan network and that subscription being the home for it, how have you funneled people into that? And if you're comfortable, it'd be great to maybe see how you've done that, examples of it, and we can give our feedback. I wish I could show you. Um, I can show you the email I sent out when I just started Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I gladly show you that, uh, the one that got me the five subscribers. Um, and I've been sort of posting every time I update the serial um, story, I, I update it on Instagram. Uh, but I admit that I have not utilized the power of Instagram or Patreon so much because honestly, and I think a lot of people feel this way about their systems, I, I, I don't feel like what I'm offering is marketable. And I don't know why, because I know it is. It's not that I'm marketing on Patreon, anything that I'm not marketing otherwise on Radish or my books. It's pretty much the same feel. But for some odd reason, anything just goes back to what I said at the beginning with the mental blocks that people have in 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 changing the way that they consume um books or stories um i think as authors a lot of us have the same mental blocks like it's very difficult for me to understand what would be the benefit of a patreon compared to just putting it out there i think uh, so email. i think you will get it if you take if you try and distance yourself from yourself which is that i'm sorry because we're like kind of trapped in our minds all the time but we kind of overthink things. And what I would say is that you are in really built for this model because in the beginning we were talking about kind of like, what is the lifestyle? What, do you, what is your kind of role for subscriptions? And not every author is going to enjoy having a subscription model, is going to enjoy having that be part of their business. It's not a ton of work if you're only offering early access. But that just might not, it's not for every author, but especially for the authors that are focused on building CUNY and that are good at it, that can be the superpower benefit that you're not even thinking about. It is the exclusive community that you're running and you've had experience doing it, running big promotions. You're very good at talking with authors, engaging about books. This is a huge strength of yours. And I think as a reader, how you have to think about it is you might not be able to convince yourself as an author that your stories are worth it. Although they really are. They really are. That alone is all you need. Just early access to your stories. However, that access to community is something that is another intangible that it is, it's not even Earl, it's exclusive access, right? This is your community. That's existing there. You can integrate things with Discord. You can have an exclusive Facebook group that is Patreon only. However you want to do it, subscriber only group. And on Ream, as you've seen, we're, we're trying to put the CUNY and the stories all in one so that you don't have to use a bunch of different platforms. But that is huge because me as a reader, the internet's crazy. I see all this meaningless stuff on TikTok, largely. Authors, keep it up. But TikTok has a lot of weird stuff. And you go on all these platforms and you, you don't find your home. You can read a million books, but like AI is going to soon start like pumping out books in five to 10 years. It sounds crazy, but like if that happens and whatever, right? Like, like where's the humanity in this? And it has to be in this community that's forming around it. I think at least. And I think if you as a reader had the opportunity to be in a place that you had access to amazing stories and you felt safe, loved, like you had your friends in, I think you'd be willing to pay a coffee a month for it. Just a guess. I think so too. And I think I'd be willing to market it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, 
But again, I'm really bad at marketing myself. Well, we're going to get into it now. So tell us what you've done so far. Um, how in a given next 30 days, what, what would be some ways you'd think about bringing new readers into your, into your subscription, uh, in this case, um, but also into your books, right? Cause it's kind of like, you got to funnel them into you and then from you, they funnel into your subscription. If that makes sense. Yeah. For people who know funnel yet funnels. Yeah. Me make that I guess for those who don't know funnels, uh, I'm feeling like I'm like at a college party at the moment, all these big funnels, where are we, where are we going into? But how you could think about it is that like we were kind of mentioning earlier, a subscription is where your super fans come, but super fans don't just materialize. That would be really cool if you could just like press a button give me super fans. It doesn't happen like that. So how do you cultivate that relationship so that then they're then trusting that, oh, I can pay this person monthly. And sometimes that relationship can be cultivated over the course of three chapters. You can write three incredible chapters that they then trust that you're going to write the rest of the book and they want early access to it and will pay monthly. That's like a serialized fiction model that's done well. Specifically, a lot of Royal Road authors have been able to parlay that into this whole lit RPG ecosystem. That's only one way to think about it. And it's not the only way you can think about it. You could do many things at once. Another way to think about it is this reader trusts who I am as an author. It always has to go back to trust, right? It's a relationship. And they love who I am and want to support me and my brand because they want to see it continue going on. And whatever you feel comfortable providing, community stories can be part of that. So how, I guess the question I'm asking you is, how are you building trust with your readers currently? So I think the key, and I kind of lost on that because I got stuck with it pretty well, um, is consistency as well. Consistently updating them. Consistently showing them that you're updating. Um, I think one of the things that Really does really well. She has the schedule up on uh, Patreon where people set a certain expectation and she and she meets that expectation, which I think is super important um, as a way as a way to really build trust both with your existing Patreons and with the ones that are interested in your Patreon. They go and look and they see that you are consistent and meeting your own promises, which is something that I've struggled to do this since I opened my Patreon this year um, for all the reasons that we already talked about, uh, which was probably why it was a mistake to start doing anything before I finished writing my story. Um, and that and transparency. Um, you have to be transparent. You can't just disappear. You can't just, like, even when I haven't posted, when I didn't post the story, uh, like I promised, then I always went on and posted why and gave them updates and um, made sort of the personal connection. I put photos of myself, photos of my new office when we moved. I, I try to keep them involved as much as I'm comfortable, obviously. You, you don't have to be comfortable. Obviously, everybody's comfortable putting a, a pregnancy photo of themselves up on uh, Patreon. Um but as much as I was comfortable getting them involved in my life and what's going on and the reasons why I suddenly sort of dropped off off the grid and didn't post as much as I promised that I'd post. Um, and all, that, by the way, is, and I think this happens to everybody and uh, Amelia, um, as I think the, 
the elder of the tribe on Patreon, Patreon can and attest that you reevaluate each year's a lot. I think I've changed them like yeah. times since they started. Yeah, I've done that, and I'm I'm actually recently um, doing that as well. I'm currently getting rid of my three dollars tier because it's just like, yeah, um, it's constantly reevaluating, see what you can and can't do, um, what's reasonable for you and what's not. I'm in the process of understanding how to build trust with my readers because I'm not entirely aware of my own capacities yet on Patreon. Okay, I, I'm really reevaluating that every single week and every single month. And I think once I hit that sweet spot where I have, where my benefits are exact on that, on that line between what I'm able to give and be able, able to repurpose without it being repurposed, but with it being new and fresh for my, for my benefactors, for my, for people that are supporting me, then that's when I can really start building, really building trust. Because right now I'm, I'm not confident enough in what I'm offering that I can actually apply it to really build trust. And I think if there's one thing that you said, my, my website is authentic. Um, I think my website changed also about 40 times in the past year um, because it takes you time to reach that, again, that sweet spot where you can, where you're, where, where you're comfortable with what you're offering. Um, there's actually people that say it takes you a year to really establish your voice as a writer um, and then just getting it where you want it to be. And I think I feel the same way about Patreon right now, that, that I'm really not not there yet in understanding where I can offer the novelties without without compromising what I'm comfortable with. And readers can feel that you're not confident. They can feel when, when you're promoting something unconfidently. Like why my reels work? I love doing the reels, but why my my TikToks done? Because I hate doing the TikToks. <laughs> and even though it can be the same content, you can feel where you're comfortable and where you're not. And readers feel that too. So I don't think I'm even in the position to really build trust with my readers yet. Because no matter how much I try, I'm I don't trust myself. Me a while to to have con like not even to have confidence, but just to like be like. Yes, I'm promoting this because I think it, like, I'm promoting this at this tier because I think it's worth it. It took me a while to get to that point. Um, and sometimes I'm even like, oh, will people, like, pay this much for just, like, an exclusive story? Like, like, I, yeah, it surprises me, too, um, sometimes when people actually do um, join specific tiers. And I'm like, wow. Um, never thought this would happen, but um, so yeah, it, it does take time. Some creators don't emphasize their Patreon at all. They don't tell their subscribers why it's important, why they should be there. And there's a reason they don't do that well. But then there's some creators that focus their community on Patreon and they do so well. And I think that with whatever subscription platform you choose, you do have to like let people know because very, very clearly, like it has to be like front and center and a lot. And I'm curious on the email that you got those five subscribers on. Can you show us it? Because it seems like that worked. It did work. It did like work. So this is the broadcast that I sent out. As you can see, I always resend. And that was the, the number of recipients, open rate, click rate, not great. Usually I have a much higher click rate. And um, unsubscribers, which is actually not that high for 5,000 or something. So you can see 
I had 18 people click the link um, and five of those converted. Wow. Which is, which is. That's incredible. Yeah, that is. That's that, insane. A bit over 20%. Okay. I mean that, yeah, that, that, that's really good. I mean, that's, yeah, that's strong. So this is, this is interesting. Can I, cause I think a mailing list is one of the, I mean, it is like at the end of the day, the, the said way you can reach your readers. I think this is always like the best way that an author can let their readers know about Patreon. Can I ask you how yeah. these readers got here? Cause 5,000 people who are looking at this, that's really impressive. But as we all know as well, there's a difference between a subscriber who comes in from the back of a book versus other ways. So do you know, like how the majority of your subscribers got here? Uh, okay. So I will start with a disclaimer that I am back down to 3000 and something. I called my list a couple of weeks ago and took off 2000 old subscribers that haven't opened an email in over two months. Um, a lot of these people came in organically. I do have, uh, at the back matter of my book, a link, and I started putting bonus things. Um, at the end of every book for people to subscribe. And again, that's slow, but it's slow and organic. The people that come in from there are ideal readers, as you said. Um, but the big boom that I had, I did a builder with Book Throne, and I got so many subscribers from that. And um, the, most of the subscribers that I called were actually from there. I don't do those builders a lot. And this one was exceptionally big. I did not expect that number. I admit I've never had the most subscribers I've ever gotten off the builder were, were around the 1K region. Um, this was really out there. Uh, and I've called most of, a lot of them out over 50% out already by now. Um, but a lot of them are actually active, which is nice. A lot of them answered my, uh, my onboarding sequence. I have like a, what are you reading now question? And I actually think even one of them was one of the one of the first patrons. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but I've been working on my list for ages. Like I, I really worked hard on my list for funnel and and builders and um, giveaways. Like the best, the second best subscribers you can get is from focus giveaways. Like the ones I do for my birthday was just ten romance authors that send out this giveaway to their newsletters or put them up in their Facebook groups. And then 90% of the subscribers you get are organically readers that, that of, of romance authors. The second best way, like a closed niche focused or genre focused um, um, builder that you're doing on your own and not through a, a external builder like Book Throne and Book Funnel and stuff like that. So I'm curious, um... Because yeah. the problem here seems to be, because like looking at this level, we're going to dive deeper, but like you have, because you got five subscribers from this, that is, mm -hmm. that is 71% of your subscribers because you have seven currently. That's big though, because that means this one email, you know, might've, might've made you a hundred, hundred plus dollars probably, you know, which is pretty cool over the course of a year. Um, that's that's not bad, but a zero point five percent click through rate. Um, specifically, actually, I guess you're much closer to like a zero point three 
on the Patreon link. That's that's kind of low. And I would be thinking about like, what if that becomes 3%? How does that change things? Amelia, I'm curious because you yes. do this in your newsletter. What would be your so click-through rate to I only to looked Patreon? at it one time, the first time I sent it, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm really bad with, with data and stuff. Um, but the first time that I um, had it, cl- like I had a click-through rate to Patreon, it was at 10% of people who opened my email that day. I'm not trying to like extrapolate and say anything here, but if you were able to get that number, that would be roughly 30 times higher than what your Patreon click-through rate is now. And if that conversion held steady, that would, I mean, that, that one email, right? That would change everything, right? We're now at the point of like, we're figuring out. So how do we get the click-through rate up? Let's dive into your email. Logo, blah, blah, blah. My Patreon is live. And then I did a special launch offer, which I thought was like really nice, but apparently it was not that, um, it was not that great. I kind of did a teaser the week before, and then I announced the launch of my Patreon, which is the only place for me to make your life fiction stories other than Radish. And then I had a special offer for three weeks at the end of the, the end of the month. Also check out my new haircut. I just got a new haircut. It's a little personal detail. And then I just sort of went, I think there's a lot going on here in terms of, of verbiage, maybe. That's a bit off-putting. Like, I don't know if I would have received, looking at it now, I don't know if I would have read through this entire email um, looking at it like this. Yeah. Tell me if I'm going to Yeah. Amelia, you definitely yeah. take it um, away. So I really like the um, the launch offer. Like, that's really cool. I would have never thought to do something like that. So great job on that. Um, I would say, uh, if you can you scroll up a little bit? Um, just to like, yeah, a little bit more here. So, okay. Uh, the first place is, um, you say the only place where you can read my serial fiction stories other than radish, I would be more specific. Like, what are they getting? Like, are they, are they getting like a a romance story? Are they getting like a robot story? Like, (laughs) I know like you write romance, but like what story are you providing them like put throw in some tropes that people like can't resist um and they'll be like oh well i need to read the story right now like these are my favorite tropes um so that's like one thing is definitely to be a little bit more specific with like what you're providing on your subscription um and then if you scroll down i like the special offer um again this is a lot of information i would choose like three things like max and just say like if you join my patreon you get early access to my content signed paperbacks and exclusive merch plus many more um many more things that you want to add um yeah and then you could add a snippet like at the end of like the first chapter of your serial fiction and make sure it has a cliffhanger so people are like i'm already invested in this story i need to know what happens next and then they're like the only place like you could get it is either you could go to radish if you want or you could join my my patreon which is going to be cheaper down the line okay that's 
all really great. So I used to have this problem in my newsletters where I'd have very low, um, like click through rate. Like I would release a new book and my click through rate would be like two and a half percent, but this is for like a new release that my list wants. And my list is like very much like they are my readers. Like there's 400 people who basically came in through the back of my books or through like coming to my website, watching a YouTube video. There are people who know me, right? So I knew I had a problem. But then I tried to analyze, like, how do I read my own newsletters? Like, when I'm, I'm a very avid newsletter reader. Like, I'm always checking my email, reading a lot of things. I love reading newsletters. So I tried to think about yeah. what newsletters do I like to read? And the ones do I like to open? And they're never one telling me this thing's out, read this, never. Like, if I love an author and there's really only like less than a hand that I could count on that I love, like love, love, super, super fan, right? I will, I will open theirs no matter what. I will read through it. If they're just going to sell me all day long, I'm there for the selling. I'm there for the selling. But for like everyone else and for me to get to the point to feel that way about someone, I'm not, you know, me personally, I'm not very receptive to selling. And one thing I would suggest is when you think about someone's attention span, it's seven seconds. You do not grab my attention in seven seconds here. I might be confused in seven seconds, but I'm not going to have my attention grabbed. And I think that you're already an incredible storyteller. You already are a great writer. Don't get caught up in this marketing BS. Write a chapter. Write a chapter in your email and then say to read the rest of it. It's on Patreon. Try something like that. Like, Cut it off. Like she said, cut off the cliffhanger. Don't have anything else. Oh, here are the benefits. Don't bog them down in that. They can go to the Patreon page and read it. It's just a repeat of what's there. Just have them open up and be in the story. The headline is something like, I mean, I'm not like as familiar with your subgenre, so I'm not gonna be able to come up with a great one, but it could literally be like, you know, you know, he sat me down and did this. I don't know. Like whatever, like that, he can kind of grab me because it's so general. That might not be right, but you know, whatever, you are a much better writer than I ever will be, especially with this genre. But man, if you get that in, I'm in there for the story, right? Like, oh crap, what's going on? I got to scroll down my phone, right? And then you get to the bottom, you're like, you get that, that heart rate's up. <laughs> like, I got to click, I got to click. And then you click, right? And you already were able to prove that a third of the people who make it to your Patreon page, roughly, roughly a third will be a subscriber. So maybe we'll see if that conversion rate holds up, but maybe we do an experiment like that. Especially now when I'm actually putting out the, when I finish the story and I'm going to get the ebook up on the, on the Pearson. That's actually a really good way to get people like, AB testing. I love that. And you could even I love AB, testing. AB test across campaigns, meaning, okay, let me, cause you're just starting. There's no stakes when you first start like, oh, this is my subscription. No one's here. Okay, cool. You can write whatever you want. So before you make any promises to, to readers and stuff, you can go like, what if I sent, what if I wrote three chapters? in different stories, right? That are like meant to be really short, right? But I just wanna see what kind of writing, what kind of start gets them more excited. And you can, in very little time, figure out what kind of story may they want to really be a part of a world and really continue to pay you monthly in without going, oh, well, I tried once, you know, well, I'm just gonna finish the book and finish five more books, and then maybe I'll try again a year from now. You can literally do it all in a span of like a week. Let me do three tries, see which one works best. <laughs> Same. No, I'm processing. I'm processing the information. Uh... Because you have your readers here, right? Like, like cause I have to think about it because this is really exciting. Like 
5,000 meters is a lot. And it seems like the quality here, the open rate, 30 to 40%, right? That That's healthy. And it seems like because you got people clicking to Patreon and buying, this wasn't just like, oh, random people who happen to open the email, click on a link and be like, oh, well, I don't like her anyways. These are people who like you. They, they like you largely, right? Every list is not made equal. We all know that, right? Everything's super individual. But if you could think about it for yourself, if I can get 2% of the people on my list to convert, I am now making roughly $500 a month recurring. That's pretty good. If, they, if they're on average paying you $5 a month, that would make me like really freaking happy. I think you can do it. 2% of yep. people, you can do it. Yes. Yeah, first get them to click. So after this, we decided to check out her Instagram, which is her main social media platform, and also another way in which she promotes her subscription platform to her readers. Kyra Fox. Here we go. Awesome. I mean, this is a really impressive following count. Let's just check engagement. So your engagement overall is pretty low, but you did have a lot of things happen. But this isn't bad at all. This isn't terrible. 76, this is good. Um, just checking the overall count. Um, okay. Nine likes, 21. So clearly, the these this is a reel. Was that a reel up here too? No, just take into consideration that I did not post anything for an entire month for all of june i wasn't online so my engagement sort of dropped a bit during uh because i wasn't there on june and you know i said everything restarts with engagement if you're not online and you don't post so my engagement drastically dropped um ever since i've been back for the last couple of weeks before that i was yeah there, this is why obviously the mailing list is is important yeah. it's probably not your engagement dropping it's your reach dropping like your engagement percentage is probably i, I would guess staying yeah. constant obviously i don't have access to that data but if you go in and see it would be curious because i would be i just as a good practice like good. this image right here that getting 12 likes and three comments how much people are seeing it versus this one that got nine likes um but i can show i can I can look in my phone at the inside. That would be you know, cool. While you're, while... Yeah, let's let's do I that. Just can't remember my password, so. And then it would be great to just see, um, you know, point me. We'll do three different posts that you promote Patreon on here, your subscription platform, and we could kind of break it down and see how you might be able to come up with a post that ultimately will entice to more people to click. Um, okay, so the one with the butterfly. The Tossing Vagina one, that's the Patreon one. That's for the steamy one. Okay, cool. So every Saturday, the Wheel of Smut spins. Okay. Every Wednesday, a new steamy Okay, this is cool. Yeah, right? So, but because it's, it's, there's a thing with images, because also Instagram, don't want to blame the algorithm, but the algorithm doesn't promote images as much anymore. Um, but if you're looking at... So one thing I would say is that when I look at this image, if I'm scrolling, I immediately think this is a promotion. And it is, but that's, you don't want to, people avoid these things, right? Well, so it looks like an ad. Um, and I would maybe try and, and change that. Like the, the first image you see. If you want to do a video, I think you could do an incredible video of you spinning this thing. Like, that's hilarious. And then to be like... We, we, that's a part of what we're promoting is that we have, uh, we, we do a live reaction. Like we don't know what the prompt's going to be either. And then we record our live reaction. We're getting the prompt when the wind wheel spins. Mm -hmm. I just haven't gotten around to actually posting the video. Yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
that to me is so funny. But yeah, I would always think about for anyone who's like posting an image, like, like try and make it native, try and make it relatable to the platform. Because if I can see something and be like, this is a promotion, like, like when I see this image, I don't really have a reason to want to go to the page. Like, even if you want to do a still image, I would do something like a steamy quote that people can't resist. And they're like, oh, I could only get this on Patreon. Let me go join or something like that. But just to drive your point home, if you scroll a bit lower on the on my feed and that one got had less accounts, accounts, accounts reach but more engagement even though it still kind of looks like an ad but because it has the steamy factor on it oh interesting yeah i know it definitely looks like an ad but that's because i i have i have the the ocd factor where i have to have like the the gray block that i put there in between my reels otherwise i go crazy that my feet doesn't look pretty i understand instagram okay here's here's my um advice on this on like, I know a lot of people get caught up on like Instagram branding. Like it's important. It is, but it's kind of like a company with one human being talking about like culture and writing up like an employee memo and all these things. Like it's still just you and writing that employee memo, doing all of that, like culture stuff, like might make you feel good, but it's not going to get you any closer to having an employee. So until you have all these readers that you can then think about that for, do not waste your mental energy on it. That's my advice. No, I totally agree with you. And I've been trying to stop soft, but I can. I understand that. I'm very compulsive. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, you don't, I don't think you do. If you would have seen my feed before Reels, I used to have um, uh, a feed where I'd have like, I do like these crazy interconnected stuff. like photos that would cut in the middle and then connect or backgrounds or like and get this that was like insane and, and and very complicated but it looked amazingly beautiful and it was just so much work and honestly since reels came out I've been I've been less uh here that for example I was just gonna talk about that. I've I've been less uh crazy but still but see this one has this but it has a book cover on it. So people are more likely to click if they're readers and then I take them to a reel which is this is really good. I really like this. One thing I would say is that this comment, um, hmm, because like it's almost like you have to like work to get to the link. And I know Instagram. This is why, obviously, not news to anyone listening, but mailing list is better just because you own the platform. They don't want to keep you on it. You know, you could like actually do things. Uh, obviously Instagram wants to yeah. keep everyone inside of Instagram. But if yeah. I'm like intrigued by this, this is a lot of text. I might not actually get around to reading this. I would put more romance based hashtags, like spicy romance rather than like Patreon hashtags. But, and just take that with a grain of salt because I don't usually promote my Patreon through social media because it's a lot harder, I find. Um, but you want your fans to be supporting you on Patreon. Like if you just say like, if somebody finds you through the pa Patreon hashtag, like they they might come over and support you, but they don't know who you are. Like, 
it's going to be like completely random. Yeah. And also as well, Instagram does everything, the algorithm based off of engagement with specific audiences. So if it sees that when you are on the Patreon hashtag that you're not performing well, because Patreon's broad, right? It could be anyone's interested in anything. They're not going to then promote you out more. Meanwhile, if you focused all on spicy books, odds are there's a higher proportion of those people who will engage positively with this post and therefore you will gain more reach. But you have to kind of think about it like a video game because a post does better. Doesn't mean it's prettier. Doesn't mean it's actually more entertaining, but it engaged people more. And I think there's a lot of problems with this gamification of the internet. It's hunts. It's why hopefully we can, you know, exist on our on subscription platforms and have these safe places that we create. But if you're trying to recruit people on these platforms, it's somewhat useful to think about it like that. Like, okay, I'm entering this game. The high score is likes. How can I get those things? While maintaining true to my brand, because I'm not just going for random likes. I'm trying to beat the spicy book talk romance game. The things that I do on Instagram, I just I just copy to TikTok. I would I just copy to TikTok's great. Like don't don't spend any extra effort on it, especially at this stage. Um, but don't feel a pressure and beat yourself up about like, oh well, I'm not doing well on TikTok. You're not focused on that. You're trying to bring people from Instagram to your mailing list, to your subscription platform, or Instagram to your books, to your mailing list, to your subscription platform. Eventually you you want them on your subscription platform, but there's many ways to get there. I wouldn't think about any other way because if you just dial in on Instagram and become incredible at this game. I was. I had a really good engagement before I, I dropped off the grid because, because my baby decided to come a week early and I basically went out of commission all of June. I had a really, really good engagement before that. I, I, I hit the the between three to seven percent engagement for wow. post when the when the industry average is one point five to two. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, those are way older. Um, I was really, I, I was yeah, These are good. The reels were really my, I'm, I'm into reels. I love reels. I really need to focus more on reels and stop doing the stupid posts that I do. Well, reels actually as well, um, I will say, uh, how Instagram's evolving, I think is actually positively in your favor, not only because it's evolving towards reels, but because the platform's evolving into one that's much more open for discovery because the platform used to be very hard to get your content discovered on if you didn't have existing followers. It just turned into like a big billboard, I felt like. But they've kind of seen the TikTok's kind of move of opening up and making discovery easier for everyone. Um, so you can think about it like in a way, you're building a brand as a creator on Instagram as well as like being an author. So you almost want to think about what is your content tilt? There's this actually publication called The Tilt and it's founded by Joe Paluzzi, who is the first guy to use the word content marketing. Um, he's been an entrepreneur on the internet for 20 years. I actually wrote an article in there so you can, you can go check it out. It's about content creation. Um, but The Tilt is all about analyzing what works in content and what's your little spin on it and sticking to that brand and using that to market your larger business. And as authors, I mean, that's effectively how you're using these platforms. So I'd, I'd really look at a publication like The Tilt. Uh, the Published Press is another newsletter. They also have a YouTube channel called Colin and Samir. All this will be linked down in the comments. These are good publications about being a digital creator because 
what you're competing with on a platform like Instagram and TikTok are a bunch of people who are focused on growing businesses just on those platforms. They don't have other products to sell. They just want to get views. And you can feel like that puts you at a disadvantage. No, it puts you at an amazing advantage. You have a larger moat. You have so much more to offer community that you can really like in the long run do so well, not only in these platforms, but as an author. But in the beginning, you have to figure out what are these people doing? What's working? And how can I be a little different? And um, it's a little bit of a new skill set for authors, but it's very easy to master. And the hardest part is the ideas. And that tends to be what writers are the best at. So I, uh, I think if you hone in on watching a few of the right videos and reading a few of the articles, all free stuff, um, that you'll be able to crush it at Reels. Like you, there's no reason why you couldn't get 100,000 views in a video on Reels. There's no reason why. There's nothing holding you back. Uh, I agree with you. I'm not getting 100,000 views on my reels. Uh, no, I, I, I think... Um, we can watch one, actually. I, I, you're very welcome to watch one. You can watch the last one. The last one... I Which one are on. you proud of? And I'm not trying to, like... I'm not trying to then tear it down. I want to... I want to see one that you think is one of your better reels. Oh, that one. The one where I'm saying with my back go up. That was like people died from that one. They, they wouldn't stop commenting. Wait, on this that. one? And I think that's because... No. Not that one. Not that one. More up, more up, more up. I think above the wheel of smut. Yeah, the one above the wheel of smut. So this? Yeah. Okay, let's watch it. You can't hear the music, though. Okay, yeah, that, that's funny. That's funny. It's it's short yeah. and good. Um, one thing would be, I like it a lot, but if I read spicy romance, no offense, like I don't care about your back. Yes, but that brings eyes on because this. It's very, that's exactly feeding into the algorithm. It's like uh, um, an audio that was very successful and basically got a lot of eyes on the reel. And it's sort of funny. And that's exactly what gets people to want to look at the rest of your content. Yeah. And then I have, wait, I have reels like that. And I try to post at least two a day where one of them is more about my writing and my writing style, my books. And one of them is a bit more, you know, writing life, writing journey, a bit more comedic, a bit more, um, a bit more for, for fun and engagement. Okay. And those, by the way, tend to get the most engagement. And then the end engagement is what pushes you up in the algorithm. Well, so you have to look a lot I, how to th There's, there's a fine line. Engagement isn't it all. It's just like with your newsletter subscribers, all engagement is not created equal. And ultimately these platforms are looking for engagement with the same people. So you have to think about who am I speaking to and each post needs to essentially speak to the same person because when you actually start to blow up an account, it's not because one post did well, but it's because the there's data that you see people going from one post to another to another and still having high retention, watching most of it and engaging with all of it. That's when an account blows up, right? And if wow. I'm looking at your account now and I'm a spicy romance reader, because that's who you want. You don't, you don't want anyone else. If I see that writing post, I'm again, you can throw fun posts in there, but if you're focused on playing the game, right. And people might be listening to me like, this is not fun and that's okay. Like make it fun, make it sustainable. But if you're focused on views, right. How to bring more people in, you need to niche down and just focus on 
ultimately what you're trying to sell, which is spicy romance. So if you look at, at a lot of my other reels, you'll see me holding my book, talking about my um, niche, which is alpha role hero. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I really like the, the fun general writing life reels are more like something I do once or twice a week. Yeah. And then the rest, cinnamon roll alpha let's normalize them getting therapy uh yeah. i have the ones where i'm holding my book and and i understand what you're saying and you're right it's completely it's very solid advice um but i like playing with that first of all because it's fun and i enjoy okay. it okay i love making no then then and then I, continue it because well, your passion yeah your passion matters more and what you enjoy matters more one one anecdote i'll share though is um there's a lot of creators on youtube because youtube's a long form platform typically who are now going into shorts and the psychology of like short form video is completely different from long form video from images from text posts it's just a different beast and what some are noticing that are creating content off brand so that aren't directed towards precisely their niche is that they're funneling the wrong viewers into their into their brand and then their future videos are having less initial engagement and it, they're actually dropping off even after they blow up. Like they'll blow up an account that was doing well will blow up more because of shorts, but then we'll get hurt by it in the long run. Yeah. So you don't want to send a false signal. That's my only caveat. Well, yeah. So that's, that's exactly why I, I sort of uh, 2080 it. I like to give myself the 20% of like the fun, silly writing life reels. And then I have like the 80%, which is all about my uh, niche, about the alpha role, about the uh, spicy romance. Um, a lot a lot of my reels aren't my face, even though those tend to do really well. It's uh, book trailers, like the one that you saw for the for the Patreon. Um, and I do think, and I'm not, I'm not disputing you, Michael, because what you said is, is very true. And it's very, and it's very, very, um, exact observation about how how promotion on social media works um but i do think you, you still have to maintain the element of fun like i know a lot of people just hate doing reels and it shows and the reels will never explode because they hate doing reels and people that put their faces out there and you can see they're uncomfortable and um i think this element of fun really preserves for me the joy of reels because because I like being silly. I don't like just being serious all the time. Like the alpha role thing, a lot of the time is that when I talk about it, it's very serious. Or like it's putting up a reel that talks about less normalized men getting therapy in romance books is a very heavy reel to put up. So I, I, for me as yeah. well, and not just for my readers and not just for my audience, I, I like lightening things up. And I think every, everything in the end needs to be inside um, your comfort zone. A lot of people prefer to just talk about their books and just post book trailers or just post, post photos of their books and don't like to put themselves out there. Or if they do, they only talk about their books. Um, and everything's legitimate. Everything needs to be within scope of what you're comfortable with. I like being silly sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And most of the videos that tend to do well on spicy book talk, at least, because I have actually quite a bit of familiar with it. I have watched it many times. Um, tend to be jokes. Like one video that I remember like explicitly is like, I'm on books is her name. And she does very well on TikTok. She's someone to take inspiration from. Um, she was like reading in her bed and like on the cover and it's like, like her mom, like knocks the door, like fake mom, mom, what are you reading? And then, you know, and then immediately that's like, you know, 
you connect to that and it's funny. So um, I think there's ways to always blend both, but I 1000% agree with you because at the end of the day, we're not Instagrammers. We're not Facebook adders. We're not Amazon Adisonians, whatever. We're not, we're not digital marketers. We're, we're writers and storytellers. And over the long run, that is what will make you successful and keep you happy. And it's not worth sacrificing an ephemeral big blow up on a 15 second video to, for what? Like at the end of the day, like even if you make some money off of it, even if it's a lot, like if you can't keep it up for 10 years, like why do it? <laughs> if you would have told me like one video would give you like $1 million, I'd say, yeah, it's worth it. Well, that, uh, come on, that's like such an outlier. I don't think that's like actually ever officially happened, right? Because if that, but, but that means they have an incredible book and people were talking about it probably based off of the video, which means that they could have found it anyway, didn't need to be through that video and they still would have probably made a lot of money. So that's one thing I will say. They design these social platforms like a game and want us to be addicted to it. They want us to be addicted to Amazon. They want us to be addicted to the advertising. They want us to be addicted to all these methods of promotion. But like the best ways to recognize the game exists and not play it. It's hard for me to comment on that. Um, like Amelia's laughing. Amelia's laughing because she knows she knows what I'm about to say. Um, as as much as I'm 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 I would my soul is burning to get on the V for Vendetta train that you started here. Um, I don't think you can not play the game if you're, unless you're, you know, you are smarter than me and married a trust fund baby rather than a struggling med student. Um, you can't really not play the game if you want to be able to sustain a business. But I don't think you are though. You're not. No, so you're not playing exactly, the game. Exactly my, my so, so exactly that's it. Yeah, and, and look where I am financially in my career. Uh, no, that's not true. So that's exactly, not true. You can't you can't say that about yourself. No, so no, it's, it's, I, I accept that. It's, this is more to do with the fact that I really took uh, sort of a leap year in my in my yeah. career. That I didn't publish anything, and I've really been working on and you know back office stuff more than 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 the front lines but i think this is exactly what i said before that that and this is something that everybody has to learn the hard way no matter what i say or amelia says or you say or david gogren says or or the gogren says or or anybody says um the biggest guru of indie publishing would say something that everybody needs to learn the hard way is the hard limits what you're what they're comfortable with it's not something that anybody could ever tell you um it's something you have to learn the hard way and i think part of not playing the game is or the part that you're talking about of not playing the game um is is understanding those hard limits like i won't change my covers uh just so i can run amazon ads i won't go around groveling doing facebook Community standard preventive courses, which they have forced me to take once, and I refuse to take again since it's a giant BS. Just so they unfreeze my Facebook uh, um, ad accounts, which have been frozen for over a year because I just refuse to do that. It's just not worth it for me. 
no matter how much the face Facebook ads could sell for me, I, I refuse to do that. I refuse to play into that stupid Puritan game that that they play in the name of Lord knows what. Um, I refuse. I, I refuse TikTok for a very long time. I'm giving it a chance now, but again, everything within the scope of what I'm comfortable with. I will never do anything I'm not comfortable with. And I think that's what everybody needs to understand that when when you say don't play the game, I mean don't fall down the rabbit hole of what everybody tells you you have to do to be successful. Because first of all, there is no magic formula. If there was a magic formula, somebody would have been a billionaire. Um, IPing it and selling it as the formula to become becoming an overnight success, and uh, it's just not worth it. It's not worth breaking your hard limits uh, for things that make you uncomfortable just to sell another book. And that's not playing into the game. That's understanding that that the game um, isn't worth it just to sell another book. But you do have to do stuff and put yourself out there to succeed. You have to engage in the game, realize what way is comfortable for you. So for a long time, I didn't want to do TikTok and still like, I don't want to do TikTok. Um, but I realized that it sells books for a lot of people. And that just might not be something that I'm willing to participate in. Like I, I do have TikTok accounts, but it's not something that I want to feel like put my energy towards constantly like other authors do. I have my energy elsewhere where I know will work for me. And I agree completely. And the my my own story with that is that I, I used to kind of like, I was a, I was trapped in that system of sorts, whether it was Facebook ads, Amazon ads, spending a lot of money out of pocket betting on read through rate. Then I did YouTube and TikTok trying to think that, oh, that would do it for me. And I mean, that's partially what inspired me to be involved with Ream and trying to build this place that centers around community and takes all the noise out of it. And it's just about that relationship between the reader and the author, because that's what I want to do. And it felt like there was no good place to do it. But also in my own career, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Instagram reels. I'm not trying to run Facebook and Amazon ads. What I find enjoyable is, yeah, there's a lot of principles of psychology and content that you can learn from these. But I, like I said, I like reading newsletters. I kind of like reading like nerdy newsletters that are like philosophical and very deep, like thoughtful about life. So I just want to like write those and share them with the world. And like, yes, if they're good, people will share them with other people. <laughs> and I'm sure that could be something that like, I'm hoping it works. I'm not just flailing. I have a strategy, but you know, you don't need to play the TikTok game precisely what Amelia said. But if you want to and you like it, not here are the rules, but here are some guidelines. But like every great author does, break them. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, there there are rules in life that are meant to be broken. Like there are some or not. Like don't go around killing people. But but all the algorithm rules they're BS. They really are. And I think one of the things that one of one of the people that taught me this was Lauren Lane. Um, which she used to have insane Instagram, uh, insane Instagram, um, presence. And I used to, I, I wanted to copy her, but I used to 
draw some of the inspirations from Instagram. There's one thing I learned, like a blog post on our website, because like, I learned that very, very hard in the beginning of my career when I was going to publishing houses and I didn't want to go on Instagram and I didn't want to go on Facebook and have a reader group and I don't want to do all this stuff. But they told me that I had to. She, she, she started trad. She just now started transferring into indie. She was trad until now. Um, and she put up a post and she said, I just quit everything because it wasn't for me. And I was doing it and it was nice and it was aesthetic and it looked pretty and everything was up to brand. And, but I never felt comfortable with it. And if there's one thing I learned uh, during my years, and maybe it's easy to talk when you're already a multi-international bestseller in four different languages, it's easy to say, but, but um, she said like, this, this isn't for me. And she, killed her newsletter and started it over like from scratch. And um, in the first newsletter in, in her onboarding sequence, she says, I'm not gonna send you a newsletter every week. I'm not gonna send you a newsletter every other week or every month. I'm sending newsletters when I'm comfortable sending newsletters. And sometimes she sends a newsletter saying my new books on pre-order. Sometimes she sends a newsletter saying, hey, look, I gave my dog a haircut. Look how cute she has like this Pomeranian, super adorable, uh, cute. Look at this, her husband's, uh, Median uh, food blogger. He has hilarious, a hilarious comedy food blog. It's it's it's, it's really funny. So sometimes she just puts him up and says, "And says Anthony had the funniest blog today. You guys really have to see." It. And it's not promotional. She's just really proud of him. Um, it's free, so you just go to YouTube and watch it. And I think I'm not there yet to completely drop everything that I don't want to do. I, I'm not comfortable not sending my newsletter out at least a couple of times a month. Um, even though I, I kind of took a, a page out of her book and did say, look, guys, there are months that you'll get two newsletters a month. There are months that you'll get one every week. There are months that maybe you'll get even more than one a week, one a week if I have something really exciting going on. But I, I'm i not going to say I'm going to send you a newsletter every week or every other week, which I used to do. Um, and again, I'm not big like her. I'm not at the place that she's at where she's been living off her books and has an insane fan base that followed her to her private social media platform that she opened on her website, which is closed and only her fans can go into. I'm not there, but I want to be there one day. I want to be able to say that. And I think it's something mm -hmm. that we should all aspire to, being able to say that, being able to say I'm not doing more than I'm comfortable with to promote because my books and my brand and what I write speaks for them speaks for itself. She's back on Instagram, by the way, and she posts like whatever she wants to. She just posts something, and everything gets insane engagement because she has uh, insane super fan loyal super fan base. And um, if if you're talking to me about my my mega aspiration as in my author career is that I want to be able to just do things at my own pace, how I want to do them and how I'm comfortable doing them and still have my, my loyal super fan base that will always follow me and always want to hear from me no matter when it is. Um, and I think that's how we, we should aspire to play the game as an idea. I <laughs> couldn't agree more. This is, this is beautiful. And I think you're really embodying what I believe to be the mindset of a subscription author, the subscription author mindset, because ultimately you get to own your community, own this space, the internet, no distractions, 
to you and your readers and just like you want to be sustainable and work on your own terms and be able to do what you want you get to be able to one do that in your subscription platform you don't have to have a specific cover there's no set rules this is where people come when they love you and you get to have that monthly income that you know a platform like amazon would never want you to have because they want you rat racing to continue playing their game but you get to design your own little world and i think that's the big benefit of it and i think hopefully today we were able to help you take one step closer to it and as we close things up i do have one last question for you kyra which is what are your takeaways and after today or i guess before today and then after you've experienced this what would be some of the things you'd want to share with your fellow writers about Patreon? about what you've learned today about this experience about anything I, I hope you've learned something if you don't learn anything that's okay just tell us that's okay i think my biggest patreon takeaway would be that to keep things simple um like i think i overdid myself out of again maybe out of the what need to play the game i guess um and I think really keeping it simple and uh, deliverable is is something that that I've definitely taken today. Um, also, not to be afraid to experiment with things that work for Patreon, like and how to and things that work in, in drawing in supporters, uh, because uh, it's new for everybody. It's like it's reader training and reader training is more than just reminding them all the time that I have Patreon. It's, it's really getting them into it, uh, which I think I've kind of floundered at so far. Um, also, you guys are really nice and I had a really great time talking to you. Like I knew I knew I would. It was it was I, I just looked at the clock and it, it's been two and a half hours. <laughs> We're still yammering yammering it out and it's really nice because it didn't feel the time go by so that that was really fun i'm really glad too that makes me so happy and i think that's all amazing takeaways i'm gonna let we always like to share like kind of a closing message and that was our closing message from kyra because she was our star of this podcast i can't thank her enough for like coming on and doing this and if this is something you want to see us do again like let us let us know because we want to help more people and we don't know everything. We don't know most things, but if we can help even a few of you just a little bit, I think that's cool. So anyways, thank you all for listening slash watching. Could be cool if you're listening to actually go on YouTube and there's a whole bookmarks of like every single section. So I'll like make sure to star the sections that like are really key to watch where you can see the, the screen of specifically Kyra's screenshots. Otherwise, you heard a lot about our Facebook group. It's a cool place to join. And we'll have more coming soon. Probably another awesome episode next week. Well, hopefully awesome. Anyways, <laughs> have a great day, everyone. And happy writing.